The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran ayurveda will be known as the most supremely evolved system of perfect health from both points of view prevention and cure the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi said that, and oh my goodness, we are starting to see that prediction come true. And because we are, this is the subject to which we're devoting today's episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Podcast, the spirited and spiritual podcast that is just designed to make you feel good through and through body, mind, and spirit. And that is certainly uh, what we are aiming for for this particular episode, which brings back uh, Dr. Sarah Kuchera. And we had welcomed her about four months ago. You can find her uh, in the archives uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can just uh, look up her name, K-U-C-E-R-A, if you missed the first time she appeared. And the reason that she's back right now is that we made a pact last time that she will come on the show once a season, but not the seasons we think of, the four of them, she's going to come once every Ayurvedic season. <laughs> and there are only three of those. And we are about to come into Kapha season. So we're going to talk about just what that is and all sorts of other wonderful things to help you feel completely amazing. And first, I'll just give you a quick introduction for my luminous guest. She is Dr. Sarah Kuchera, a licensed doctor of chiropractic and an Ayurvedic practitioner. She's also a yoga teacher, founder of the Sage Center for Yoga and Healing Arts in Kansas City, and she is the author of one of my favorite books. It's a beautiful little square book that comes with a ribbon bookmark, and it's called The Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook, Holistic Healing Rituals for Every Day and Season. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Thank you. I am so happy to be back chatting with you. 
Well, it's always fun, and people got a lot out of the last time you were here. I got lots of very nice messages. So let's just backtrack, because not everybody heard you when you were here before. What on earth is Ayurveda, and how can we use it? Ayurveda, to give you the briefest description, because it's a very vast system, Ayurveda is a system of medicine that originates from India. And though that's where its roots are, it can be practiced in any place throughout the world. It is a system that's based on nature. And what this means is that we take into account how nature impacts our health, how we exist within nature, and how we ourselves are also a part of nature. And within this system, there's an idea that we have our own specific makeup that may differ from others around you that's based on the five different elements, which are called ether or space, air, fire, water, and earth. And that those elements are expressed in different amounts in us, in different ways, and that's what makes us unique. So in terms of our health, uh, in the way of preventing different conditions, caring for ourselves, and also in the way of healing different conditions, we all have our unique needs, just like we all have our unique appearance and characteristics and so forth. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. That's a pretty big nut. I would say maybe a <laughs> coconut shell, <laughs> but it, it is a vast system. And yet you've done such a beautiful in the by to little nibbles that people can use every day. So just give us a rundown of what a modern, busy Western person's day would look like if they were living an Ayurvedic lifestyle. Well, this would, as we were, as you were discussing earlier in the intro, this does depend a little bit on the season, but overall, this would look at the way that we carry out our day in the sense of the structure that we wake at the same time, we go to bed at the same time. So essentially waking with the sun and then um, going to bed before 10 and then also eating our meals, three meals a day at the same time when possible, our biggest meal being lunch, and then incorporating different routines that are helpful for us in caring for our mental well-being, our physical well-being, such as using a tongue cleaner. Maybe we would be using a dry brush before we shower. It might be that you drink a big cup of water in the morning or that you're sipping warm water throughout the day. So those are some of the things that pretty much all of us can do. And then the rest of those details of our routine are really up to who we are and where we are and what we're experiencing in the moment. When you talk about the seasons, I've been paying a lot of attention to what's going on right now. It's uh, late winter. And we are approaching spring. I am in the Northeast in, in New York City. And usually it doesn't feel like spring here until sometime in June. I'm from your part of the world, Kansas City. And there it started feeling like spring, eh, more April. But because I've been paying attention, I see that it's not so much about where we are 
or the climate where we are that that for the past couple of weeks, I've been getting little senses of spring, even on cold days. It just smells a little bit different out there. There seems to be a, a difference in the humidity levels. And I'm really noticing this change that's happening now. So tell us about this season that we're entering and how we can take care of ourselves at this particular time of year. We are entering the season um, of the kapha season, which is the season of water and earth which is interesting that you said you noticed something like the smell different because I also noticed this morning on my morning walk that there was sort of a smell of rain and I actually think that it did rain during the night but despite the grounds the ground the street looking dry there was still that sort of scent and that scent only exists because there is moisture in the air and the water hits the ground or hits the soil and then we smell that so it's really truly the combination of water and earth so this season, which we call the kapha season, water and earth, it's our heaviest season. The air will feel heavier because of the moisture in the air. And this may vary depending on where you are in the world. But in general, this is it would account for, um, especially across the U.S. Um, in, in kind of our regions. So this season, the heavy season, is the one that really embodies this idea of of, of nurturing us. So if you think of how things start to bloom, we use the water and we use the earth to help nurture growth in, in a sense. But at the same time, that heavy quality also has to be balanced. So what the earth is growing are things that are actually relatively light and relatively dry, which are opposing qualities to the earth and the water elements. So you get things like our spring greens, which are really light in quality. Um, and other produce, for example, that uh, um, even like berries start to begin to grow in the later spring. And those things are very light and very balancing to what our body needs. Or using the example of both of us noticing the scent in the air being different, that heavy quality that we can even smell in the air. That is something that we also experience in our body. And part of this actually comes to us via accumulation of what we just experienced in the winter time, in the fall and in the early winter, which is that feeling of wanting to hibernate. So that all feels really good for a while. And it feels good, especially when things feel cold outside or dry, and we really just want to be cuddling inside. But that, after months, can get a little bit old and we get cabin fever. And we want to use that energy that we accumulated throughout the winter. Um, in fact, it's quite natural for us to gain a little bit of winter weight and then to use that weight as fuel for the things that we want to do that feels like we just were bursting at the seams to get out into the sunshine and the, the nice climate to be more active. And that's actually the first thing that I think about when you say I can notice these different like signs or hints of spring occurring without it actually being spring. The first thing I actually notice is our behavior. And within Ayurveda, that was one thing that was used in terms of determining what our routine should be is just observing 
animals. So if we think of us as animals and sort of observing what's happening, people are getting out now. And of course, this season is especially unique because many of us have been inside for a long time now. And that craving to get out is really within us. So this season actually supports that. It supports that that desire to be active, to feel light, to be energized, to uplift, to invigorate. And that's what our routines should really bring to us. So explain what kapha is. In, in I know there are three doshas, and, and you talked about those in some detail before, but just so that uh, people who don't understand all this are not feeling terribly lost, what, what are doshas and what is it about this particular season that we should be changing to accommodate? Doshas are also called constitutions. Sometimes that word, the word constitution is interchangeable with the word dosha. A dosha is essentially describing who we are on the inside, our physiology, our the fact that we all have a digestive system, we all have all of these things that we need to live. So the doshas account for our biology. But we express these different things in different ways. So the doshas are made of two elements each. We have vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is the air and ether elements. And it's our light constitution. In our body, in everyone's body, this accounts for movement. And um, you could think of it as circulation, our joints, the activity in our mind, but movement overall is a really great way just to sum up what vata does in our body. So we all have vata. Then we have pitta, which is fire and water, and pitta is responsible for transformation, and transformation in our body would be things like our digestive fire, so transforming food into energy, our hormones, um, and many other things, but just again, if you think of transformation, that's the main thing that Pitta does in all of us. And then we have Kapha, which is the water and the earth elements. And this is more of our, it's, I think of it as our protector. It's responsible for growth and immunity and anything that would lubricate our body or protect our body. That's the, the physiology behind Kapha. So I only mention those different things because we have all of them. But what most of us want to determine is which one or two are most present in us. So saying something like, I'm more fiery or I'm a little bit spacier than someone else is a way of kind of understanding how these different doshas are variable between different people. And these doshas then account for our physical structure, like if I'm going to have big joints, big bones, if I'm going to have smaller structures, smaller bones, my facial features. So there are a lot of things that we can just look at a person and say, this person has more vata, let's say, or they have more pitta in them. And of course, that's a much longer description um, to talk about each one of those in detail. But ultimately, we want to know which one or which two usually is more present within us. And 
our goal then is essentially to keep those doshas in check. So if I'm predominantly one, I'm probably going to be managing that one the most. So if I'm primarily vata, let's say, the things that vata might have go awry um, when things get a little hectic would be the things that I need to keep on my radar, whether that's anxiety, whether that's nervousness, fearfulness, worry, or something like dry skin or constipation. So every dosha sort of has its go-tos in terms of what can get out of balance. So if we bring that to the idea of kapha, kapha in the kapha body, a kapha person, or a kapha season can make someone in excess of the water and earth elements. It can make them feel sluggish. It can make them feel sort of heavy, feel depressed. It could actually cause them to retain water. So when we think of what spring then brings to us in terms of what we look, look for um, with imbalances, it's things like our allergies. We get really mucusy um, in the spring if we're not taking care of that by eating seasonal food and doing different things in our routine, like maybe using a neti pot to help rinse and to keep our sinuses clear. Um, we could also experience some different sluggishness in our circulation or even in our lymph where things just feel sort of stagnant in our body. And when we're trying to reduce that, we would use dry brushing, which is the process of using a brush that's specifically allocated to use on our skin. It's kind of abrasive, but um, also tolerable to brush in circular patterns around our joints and then toward our heart in long strokes on our long bones to help increase and move um, circulation, blood, lymph throughout our body. So those are two big things that we adjust for the spring. And then another is really just the idea of I mentioned earlier that we might gain a little bit of weight in the winter with the idea of this helping us to have the energy with what we need to do in the springtime. So it's really figuring out how do we how do we do that <laughs> so we don't just accumulate more and more energy. And that's where seasonal eating comes in. And you think about the foods that become available, and which is as easy as just going to a farmer's market to see what what's local and what's seasonal for you at that time. But you'll find that they are foods that are more drying in nature, which we call astringent. Um, things like kale would be one, um, different leafy greens. We think of our cruciferous veggies, so like cauliflower and um, broccoli could do it too. Also things like beans and lentils, which we know are a little drying in our body. So those are a few things would be increasing. In fact, we could also increase spices in our, in like a spiciness, um, like hot spice. So if you're someone that likes to have a lot of hot sauce, this is the time of year for that um, because that's getting things moving. Just as we would move our external body, we want things to feel like they're circulating on the inside. So those are just a few things that we might adjust for the spring. 
That all makes perfect sense to me because I know a little something about Ayurveda. And I do want to ask a question now that has to do with other people who know something about Ayurveda and might be confused. So mm -hmm. we have our own constitution and I'm predominantly Vata. And so I'm often told things like, don't eat as many leafy greens as you used to and be really careful with cruciferous vegetables and be super careful with beans because you have a delicate digestion. So if that's my nature and that's what I should be doing, but now I'm in this other season, how do you juxtapose and make sense <laughs> of what one's personal constitution is versus what's going on in the outer world? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And it's, for sure, a question that we get asked a lot. The, the most important thing to understand as just sort of foundational information before I can answer that question is that we have our overall constitution. So you, to use yourself as an example um, of the Vata constitution and are told to have food that's probably more grounding, that helps you keep your roots, that you're doing practices that keeps you anchored. And being anchored has the opposite quality of air. It's different. It's very windy here today. And all I've been craving is just to feel like I can be anchored because there's so much wind that it feels almost disruptive when I'm outside. So that's like vata. Vata can get disrupted very easily in that way, which is why the recommendations for you have been to do things that give you your roots. You can do this in ways that are through your diet or you can do it in ways that are through your routine. You can also do that through ways that um, have to do with your schedule. So there, there are many, you could also do it both ways or all, all, all of the above. So that's in a, in a world where you're feeling pretty normal that there hasn't been any sort of traumatic event. You haven't had an abundance of stress. You haven't been consuming the same foods over and over and over again. And what I'm saying by this is that nothing has changed with you. So we're making the assumption that you are in a state of balance. When you're in a state of balance, there's typically more flex with what you can consume in a seasonal way. And the reason for that is that seasonal eating is a way of keeping imbalances, so the state of not being in balance, away. So if I consume in the spring, the foods that are appropriate for spring, I'll prevent the accumulation of those different qualities or conditions that I was just talking about. If I consume the cooling foods that are available in the summer, I'll prevent the accumulation of the heat. If I consume the grounding foods in the fall, I'll prevent the accumulation of feeling disrupted um, or disturbed in the way that vata can, can be disturbed. So eating for your dosha is great, but there's another layer, which is seasonal eating. And there's another layer. And this is where I said, we've got to get this understanding first. And that other layer is that we may be experiencing 
a state that is not balanced for us. That state of imbalance could be anything. If you're a vata, that could be too much fire. It doesn't have to be too much air. So typically, if you are a very airy person, you'll get air-like imbalances. But it doesn't exclude you from getting fiery imbalances or watery imbalances or earthy imbalances, let's say. So when you look at the season and what you should do for how you feel right now, what your constitution is, you have to look at what your physical state is like, what your routine is currently like, what your mental and emotional tendencies are currently like before you can really decide, should I be following these seasonal practices? Because there may be an exception. So to use your, you again, as an example, sorry to keep using you <laughs> as an example, but you're here, right? So you might be at a place where consuming some of those foods would be great for you. And it actually might help you feel really alive right now. However, because they are things that we know are typically not good for you, you need to be checking in quite regularly to make sure that they haven't caused imbalance, that they haven't accumulated within you. So my biggest suggestion for someone that, and this, again, we kind of have to know a lot more about the different doshas, but if this season, the kapha season, is not your dosha, which would mean you're either a vata or a pitta, you still want to bring in qualities that help you recognize the change in the season. That may not be food. So for you, it might be something like adjusting your, your sleep times because now that the sun is out longer or days are longer, you can actually stay awake longer. You could also eat a little later into the evening versus in the winter time when the sun goes down, the sun is sort of a guide as to how strong our digestion is. So you could adjust that. You might adjust your exercise. You might incorporate different breathing practices that have a little more vigor to them. So you can still bring in elements that are appropriate for the season without throwing your specific dosha off it's just that you have to keep your pulse on it in a more um, discerning way, in a, in a way where you can tell than someone else that may not have to worry about it. Wow. This is so beautiful because it honors every individual. And it says no matter who you are, no matter what your dosha makeup or where you are in your life, you are right on time doing fine. And I love that. So we're going to be back after these messages with more with Dr. Sarah Kuchera and uh, Ayurveda. It's pretty cool. Stay with us. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. 
Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. I love how they say Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Because, you know, sometimes you look out there on the news or in the newspaper and it's like, awakening world? Are they kidding? But, you know, sometimes we have to look kind of underneath and see what's really going on. And so many people are doing so many amazing things like you. And like the people at Unity Online Radio and like my fabulous guests every single week. So thank you so very much for listening, for supporting us. If you ever feel like going over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give us a nice review and five glorious sparkly stars, oh golly, that would mean a lot. Because when we started this podcast back in 2012, I believe it was the sixth vegan podcast. And now I think there are 300, which are fabulous and wonderful and how how abundant uh, we are. And yet to get a little word that there's something good happening on this one is really helpful. So thank you. Thank you very much. I also want to do a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Compliment. And they're wonderful supplements made by vegans for vegans. When I first started talking about Compliment on this program, they just had one product. It was a spray that was vitamin B12, vitamin D, and of omega-3 fatty acids. And now they, they have a bunch of things, and they're all wonderful, and they're all specifically geared for vegan people, plant-based people. They expect you to be eating a really good diet, and this is just to complement. So if you want to check that out, the website is lovecompliment.com. And if you want to save some money, you can just put in the discount code Main Street. There used to be a longer, more complicated one, but now just Main Street, capital letters. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can get a little bit of a discount there. Hopefully that will help you out. And then one other thing I want to share with you before we get back with our intriguing guest, Dr. Sarah Kuchera, and that is coming up on March 20th, Saturday, the Vernal Equinox, is Yoga Goes Vegan. Our whole show about um, this last week was, was about the Yoga Goes Vegan retreat and the whole concept of yoga going vegan. So you don't want to miss this. The easiest way to get there is tinyurl.com slash yoga goes vegan and it's going to be all day fabulous speakers 
and also time built in for you to just share and ask questions and contemplate. And this is going to be so open and loving and accepting. Doesn't matter what you eat now. Doesn't matter if you can only do two yoga poses and you don't think you do those very well. You are welcome. It's all going to be great. March 20th, tinyurl.com slash yoga goes vegan. And that will take you to more information and registration. So do take a look. And now we are back with oh, just one of my favorite health people in the world and someone that I actually consult personally. I'm very picky about <laughs> the people with whom I entrust myself. And Dr. Sarah Kuchera, author of the Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook, is one of those people. So if you want to look into what she's doing and um, find out more for yourself, you go to www.sarah with an H, Kuchera, K-U-C-E-R-A, dot com s-a-r-a-h-k-u-c-e-r-a dot com and uh, you can get a little bit more of the wisdom of this very wise woman so dr sarah we are talking about kapha season and springtime and how to take care of ourselves right now but i also know that you were doing a lot of thinking about ayurveda beyond the physical body and how we can use it for mental and emotional well-being. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I have noticed that, and a lot of the things that I get excited about actually come from my sessions with people and different trends that I notice happening, whether it's throughout a season or throughout a year or whatnot. And something that I've been really tuned into recently is how many people, when they come to me with a physical symptom, if I ask them when their symptoms started, and then I ask them about what was happening in their life around that time, for many people, there is something that was happening that was, was causing a certain emotional or mental reaction with them, whether it was something small, um, something that maybe was a more traumatic experience, or maybe it was just the state of their life at the time. And when looking at that, it's really easy to see how there's such a strong connection between our physical well-being and our mental well-being. And this is not a new concept at all, of course. It's just something that I really started to see happening. What I do feel has been sort of neglected is the idea of Ayurveda really being able to help us understand ourselves better and to notice how some of these different things that happen that are not really physical can create symptoms beyond mental or emotional that they can manifest in us physically. So that kind of, that started to lead me down a little bit of a path where I thought, well, how can I recognize this in others? And it'd be kind of clear to me when, when chatting with someone, if someone says, I started having digestive problems five years ago, and I say, what happened five years ago? And they say, well, I moved, I was getting my PhD, I got married, and, you know, and the list goes on. And it's like, well, clearly that was a state, um, a, a period for you that 
that was impacting you mentally. So if we talk more now about what was happening mentally, is that similar to what's happening now? Has that, have you gotten relief from that? Has that been, do you feel like it's been processed and so forth? So what I was asking myself was how, how can I sort of notice these things in people, but they're not yet aware of them themselves. And I really realized that we are underutilizing the ability for Ayurveda to help us become more self-aware and what we can do with that awareness. So if I can become more aware of what my reactions are to what, what my stress reaction is, am I someone that wants to ignore something? Do I want to take a nap? Do I feel like I want to go for a run? Do I want to escape? Do I want to eat? Like what, what are the things that, that I do? If I can understand different patterns like that, then I'm going to have a much better chance of maintaining health on all levels, whether that's in a physical um, context or a mental context. Um, so that's kind of, that's like kind of the the thoughts that have been <laughs> ruminating for me um, lately is how do we use this system in a culture where we are attracted to physical things? So we. It's no surprise that we've come to Ayurveda and now we all want to know what supplements do I take? You know, what herbs should I have? What should my diet be like? When in the meantime, there's this really powerful thing about Ayurveda that can say, yeah, you might be prone, someone that's prone to having different physical symptoms, but guess what? You're also someone that might anger quickly. You're someone that's more likely to want to be in control that might you know, cause, um, be critical of someone. And those things are to me probably even more important to recognize than the physical, because the physical is actually easier to see. So if we can start to become more aware of these more internal, non-tangible things, we really have added a lot of tools to our kit when it comes to our health. So how do we use Ayurveda to do that? So what Ayurveda does, and I think the fast track explanation with this is if you're familiar with different personality tests, so such as the Myers-Briggs or Enneagram um, or even human design, these different things that are sort of telling us what we're like. Are we someone that's introverted? Are we extroverted? Are we a feeling person? Are we someone that's more of a problem solver? Are we, you know, what are we like? Our doshas also tell us that. It, it tells us what those things are. And that's sometimes a way that we understand what our dosha is. But on the reciprocal, it can also tell us <laughs> what those things are about, about us. So I don't want to say that Ayurveda and the doshas are simply a personality test because that's not at all what I'm saying. But the ways that we use these different, these different ideas, personality types, to help us with knowing what career path should I take, who should be my partner in life, how do I interact with people? How do I communicate? Those are things that are determined by our dosha. 
So the Ayurvedic constitutions really give us those same explanations, but it is not limiting us to only personality. It is now giving us a whole different realm that, that goes into also our physical health and so forth. So for people who have been told, maybe they've taken a quiz or they've seen an Ayurvedic doctor and, and they know uh, something about their dosha makeup, can you just give us a quick run through vata, pitta, and kapha and what this might mean in an emotional way? Yeah. So the vata, remember, I'll kind of review this again, that these doshas are made of two elements. And... I keep repeating that because, as you know, vata, pitta, kapha, these doshas are Sanskrit terms. And so not only are we learning a language of a different type of medicine, we're also learning a, li- a very literal different language of Sanskrit. So it's much easier for me to say air. And what does air mean you know, in our environment? What does air mean in our body? It would be easier for us to conclude what that is than saying just vata. And it's also important to understand that these these different elements have different qualities about them as well. So we have our our vata constitution, which is ether and air. And we describe this as light. We describe it as mobile, cold, rough, hard. And if you think about what those descriptions are like in our mind, It would mean that we maybe are more creative. Mobility suggests that we're more of an ideas person. It could mean that we simply have more movement in our mind. So we like these these different tasks or things that don't really have like the black and white outcomes. It's more of like the gray area or left to interpretation. So our Vata people tend to be our creative people. They are our people that adore change. They embrace change. They crave change. And they're very adaptable, very light, um, often very bubbly. But at the same time, these qualities that we might, we might call them or label them positive, they have their shadow side as well. So for someone that is creative, they are actually probably more prone to having more anxiety. They're more prone to having an overactive mind or more prone to worrying about something or being fearful about something. So our creative people are typically vatas or have a lot of vata in their constitution. Whereas pitta, which is fire and water. So the first thing we think about with this is hot. And pitta is also, or fire and water also sharp. It's um, also light. And we could say pitta is dry because of excess heat, but pitta could also be borderline oily. So it's kind of a combination between those two. So if we think about those different qualities in our mind, pitta accounts for sharpness in our mind. So it's what's responsible for us wanting to achieve, to set goals, to have high expectations, to be a planner or to organize. But again, 
with those quote positive qualities, there's also a negative that could be at play, which would be, I always love to use the example that we have fire. So our fiery people um, can be passionate. The fire can, can mean that they are passionate about something, but it also could mean that they're a hothead, <laughs> that they are quicker to anger, that they are more critical because they have these this passion for achieving goals, they might have higher expectations for others around them and become more critical when they don't meet their standards, um, more likely to become judgmental. So those are our more defining qualities of pitta in the mind. And then we have our kapha constitution, which is water and earth. And this is our heavy are immobile or static. Um, I think another great word to use in place of immobile or static is stable. Um, so it's our, our also our dull, which maybe isn't, I can't imagine many people wanting to be described as dull, but dullness can actually have also very soft quality about it. And um, water and earth are also very soft. So these qualities in our emotions or in our mind allow for, us to be compassionate, to be nurturing, to be very caring, and um, to look out for others and to look out for the well-being of others, um, probably more empathetic, probably a little more internal, um, so maybe not as outgoing as our Vata people, um, more of someone that thinks and formulates things on the inside before they say them aloud, or maybe they even need a little more time to themselves because they are more inward. And yet again, in excess, these different qualities could become negative where that stability in their mind could mean that they become stuck, that they are change averse and don't do well with change. They can't manage change or that the heaviness causes them to feel more sadness or more depression or depressive type states or more melancholy. Um, so it also, again, has things that all of us have, that we all can be compassionate, we all can be empathetic, but some of these things then just come much more naturally to us. So a, a Kappa person is a much more natural caregiver, and it doesn't mean that a Vata or a Pitta doesn't care. <laughs> But they, they do care, but the kapha, it's it's in their blood. It's it's a part of their makeup. So, but with that, then they also have to be on the lookout for these other emotions that are a little heavier or more negative. And so at this time of year, all of us, whatever our doshas, might be needing a little more exercise, a little more stimulation. Uh, we might be um, more prone to depression. I'm not talking clinical depression necessarily, but just being a little bit more melancholy maybe than we will be at the height of summer. Am I getting it? You're totally getting it. And you might think, well, how could this be a season where we might get depressed? And there's a little detail that we didn't really mention is that it's not quite spring yet. And spring is absolutely the kapha season. But kapha also covers late winter. And if you think, I think it's February that people always talk about as 
being sort of a rough month when it comes to having depressed mood, because at that point, our days have been very dark and we've been inside and we're craving, craving more. So when we don't bring balance to that, this time of year can absolutely be a time that we feel more of that emotion, which is why the lighter foods that are available, the nicer weather that we can get out in and be active and exercise and do things that help to invigorate will actually prevent some of those more seasonal mental imbalances. Thank you. That, that helps. Now, I have a question about what I have read is the essence of kapha, but in a very, very positive way. And that is something called ojas, that I have heard everything from it boosts your immunity to it gives you the glow and makes you look better. So what is ojas and where do we go to get it? <laughs> Who is selling it? <laughs> Ojas is our, it's our vitality. It's our health reserves. It's what's helping us to thrive. It's what we would tap into if we were feeling a little run down and what can give us more energy. So you're right. Ojas is, a, it is a part of, of Kapha and it has kind of a heavier grounding quality about it. And Ojas comes to us from being around people that we love, experiencing events that make us feel happy and bring us joy. It's also found in different foods like almond milk. It's found in herbs like shatavari and ashwagandha. It's also in dates. So as we consume these different things, whether it's uh, consuming an experience that brings you joy or consuming a date shake made with almond milk, that's helping to build this reserve of ojas. And our goal is to really get as much ojas as possible so that if we ever are in need and do start to feel sick, that that reserve is plentiful for us. I love it. And and I love in your book how you described that you had a moped when you were a teenager. <laughs> it had a regular tank and then it had a reserve tank. And mm-hmm. then Ojas is like the reserve tank. So we never right. run out. It's always what I think about because, you know, I would never want to have to use to flip the switch because it was an actual like flip from a regular tank to the reserve. I don't want to have to use that reserve, but you better believe I want that reserve tank to be full in case I get a little too far out and I need gas <laughs> to get back. So it is kind of like a fuel tank in a way. Yeah. I, I love the idea. I've also heard it described as, as a golden fluid, but not physical. Not You can't go to a phlebotomist and <laughs> have your ojas extracted. You know, I think it's more of an idea, and I think it's a little bit more in one of these uh, ways in which the the physical body and the subtle bodies that, that yoga talks about kind of, of uh, interact. Yeah, and it can be observed. One of my favorite ways that it was described to me when I was first learning about ojas is that if you see a baby and a baby is like plump and shiny and has lots of color to it, 
And for some reason, you're attracted to that baby. Like everyone wants to hold the baby and touch the baby and be around the baby. And the idea is that that baby is just brought into the world is full of ojas because it hasn't really had an opportunity to deplete anything yet. So it's full of ojas and us without knowing we're attracted to ojas. So we're attracted to the baby. We want to hold the baby in the hopes that we can actually get some ojas from this plump little being. (laughs) And that's so interesting that it's the essence of kapha that also seems like the essence of springtime. We think of, of birth and new beginnings and maybe a very Ayurvedic and a very healthy thing we can all do for ourselves is to just get out and experience more of, of the springtime this year. Just get a little more sun, a little more greenery and a little more farmer's market. I'm liking yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> so for people who don't know what their dosha is, is there a quiz that you recommend or how how do you suggest somebody try to get that information if they're not going to be seeing you or another Ayurvedic physician? There are quizzes. My I have quizzes on my website, which is sarahcuchera.com. I also use Banyan Botanicals a lot for a reference because they have many, many articles and many resources that can really help you. And they also have quizzes that I trust on their on their website. The most important thing, though, is really learning about every single dosha and understanding how you fit into each one. And that's why in your lovely book, you have self-study boxes, <laughs> little mm-hmm. ideas for <laughs> going within and finding out more about somebody pretty magnificent and that would be you, Dr. Sarah Kuchera, and Jeff Comfort, our wonderful engineer, and you, everyone who listens to the Main Street Vegan podcast, know that you are cherished. God bless you, and just gobble up on all of those yummy, good vegan veggies. And we will see you next week, uh, same time. Same platform for more of Main Street Vegan, the spiritual and spirited vegan podcast, making the world a little kinder, a little more peaceful, and hopefully a little more fun. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. 
Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.